Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the first of our entry previews. It is the Grand National Weekend, the Entry Festival, and day one, Thursday's racing, is what we're going to be going through here. I'm your host, George Ellick, and as ever, I'm joined by Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding, and uh, I'd say veteran now of the Odds Checker betting show, Rory Delaghi, as well. Andy, I'm going to come for you for a, a weather forecast shortly because I know you, you li- don't live too far away from Aintree. Uh, but Rory, I'll come to you first. And uh, how are you looking forward to? How are you feeling ahead of uh, ahead of this weekend, especially in what's a, a pretty hectic, pretty incredible week of sport? Yeah, Aintree's um, really stepped up in the last uh, decade or so and um, uh, it doesn't fall far behind Cheltenham in terms of the, the quality of the top races there. So it's going to be a, a cracking week. Um, I'm a, a big fan of the uh, of the handicaps of this meeting, particularly the uh, the Topham uh, races like that. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, aren't we all? And uh, I was alluding there to a, um, a certain golf competition over uh, in the States as well. Andy, I know you're a fan of that. Yeah. Anyone who's who's watching or listening to this, do go and check out. Uh, yesterday, we recorded with, with Odds Checkers Tips to Nar Lions. We did our, our Masters preview, so you can find that on the Odds Checker YouTube channel or on any uh, the Odds Checker YouTube, uh, sorry, podcast feed as well um so andy busy week i know you've had a couple of flutters in the masters as well so we can kick off by telling us who wins the masters then tell us what the ground's going to be like at entry a man of a man of all uh, with many hats um yeah I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with the draw for brooks kipke um i think he's out last week rory isn't it and it'll be mm. hopping mad um putting through all those spike marks uh but i thought brooks's games other than he's putting he's, he's not in not bad shape um i've also had a few good on yakin neiman as well Several stats that throw up um, tournaments that he's run, uh, he's run well in, played well in. <laughs> I can't get the horses out of my head. Uh, he's played in that to have significant bearing on the um, on Masters, and I thought he played quite well last year, just out the fringes of the action. But um, going back and watching the videos of his, um, he's uh, some of his holes he played last year. He, he looked in good shape. So yeah, I thought I thought he was a big prize, sixty six. Two points. words for you, Andy. Will Zalatoris remember that on Sunday evening? Uh, yeah, Jimmy Cup. Too- but nor can I. Yeah. So yeah, he's Tita Green, um, um, shots gain approach and stuff like that. He's very good. But so yeah, his putting's mm. a bit ropey. But yeah, that's all right. Yeah. If Sergio and Hideki can be masters, so can he. Exactly. Anyway, let's uh, exactly. let's look at entry. Um, you said the the weather today has been fairly unsettled, and and you're what an hour away from from entry. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I won't want to get too uh, bogged down with what I say here because um, it could be quite localized, but. We've had steady rain now here in sort of North Wales, which as far as the crow flies in and around, you know, we've got Chester sort of 20 miles upwards and then Aintree's about an hour away from me, as you say. Uh, we've had quite a bit of rain here from sort of eight o'clock onwards and it's still raining. So they are forecast that kind of inclement weather today. And I think then it kind of like scattered showers and then passes. And I think Friday and Saturday is quite good. So um, it should be welcome for Salika as well, Clark, of course, who... Probably had a few sleepless nights in the last week or two, trying mm-hmm. to work out how much water she's going to put on the courses to make sure that we don't get repeat of uh, of um, <laughs> Cheltenham, of course. But at the same time, we get um, uh, safe ground for all the horses running over the national fences in the next few days. So uh, very much a a, a a kind of situation that I'm sure she's she's um, um, you know been turning herself in knots in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into the racing now. As I say, this is the Thursday preview. So we're just going to go through the card as we did in our Cheltenham previews with Andy and Rory, uh, getting each of their thoughts on each race through the weekend. Uh, This is Thursday and do download the Odds Checker app now so you can see the best prices that we'll be talking about 
the best bookie offers, place terms, free bets, and Andy's selections straight to the app in the morning of racing, not just throughout the major festivals, but through every day except when he's taking a well-earned holiday. Uh, on to the first end, the 145. It is the uh, the Manifesto Novices Chase, and we have Warlord is the 11-4 to joint favourite with Pick Dorhey. Uh, Gin on Lime is nine to two alongside Ernie River. Uh, Miller's Bank seven to one. The Widowmaker twenty-five to one. Jackamar thirty-three to one. Andy will will give you first run in the opener. Yeah, I mean the perceived wisdom with uh, quite a lot of these races at Ancient we're going to be talking about is: um, do we go with uh, the Cheltenham Festival form, which in some cases stacks up, but in other cases it definitely pays to be fresh and to avoid having a hard race only sort of twenty odd days ago. Uh, Warlord obviously fits that criteria, having finished fourth in the um, the Arkle. He was doing all, all his best work at the end as well. Uh, he was outpaced coming down the hill and then hit the, once he hit the rising ground, he kept on quite well. So stepping up in trip shouldn't be a problem for him and he's won over further before as well. So you could see Colin Tizard's charge going quite well. But I, I do think there is an angle in here with a couple of horses that have missed Cheltenham um, that um, might, might just cause a, a little bit of a, a surprise. Um, Gin and Lime, not a massive surprise of that one because she's well known to uh, UK punters courtesy of that dramatic two-runner race at Cheltenham early on in the season mm. um, involving the, the horse of Dan Skelton's, My Drogo. Uh, but she was, you know, still not, not putting it up to him because I think My Drogo probably had her measure. But, you know, that's the kind of level we're dealing with here. And I think it's quite significant that Henry's kept her off from 146 days. He missed Cheltenham. She was entered up to run in the Arkle. Uh, and the the, uh, the other novice race, the, the Marsh Chase, and, uh, decided to come here. But this track will very much play into her strengths. Front runners, prominent racers, often have a, a big advantage, not only in this race, but on the chase track in general. And to my mind, she'll definitely go off in front here. And um, she could be quite difficult to catch if she gets into a good rhythm. Certainly uh, very much respect her. And the other one I'd throw into the mix is the top one. I did a an each-way Yankee that um, Oddschecker and, and the boys got me to to do for the start of the week. And I was trying to go for races where I could see an each-way angle at, at time of recording where there might be eight runners or, well, seven runners or less. And obviously with the seven runners now, this um, looks one of those races where mm. I, I, at least I've predicted rise. And I put up Earn River as my each-way pick here. Uh, this will be a big step forward for Nick Kent if he manages to train a grade one winner. But I do think he's got a horse that's capable of um, going well here. His time figures have been pretty good. In fact, they're, they're up there with some of the best of these. And he hasn't run in a, in, in a festival race or a proper graded race yet. But he's beat some good horses along the way. He's fresh. I like his attitude. He stays really well. Uh, and his jumping seems to be quite good under pressure as well. So my two against the field here would be away from the obvious. I couldn't have a Nichols horse in this race, by the way, because he's never won it. And he's had some right flops in this race. He managed to get dodging bullets beat here a couple of years back. <laughs> Uh, so I don't really like Pick Dory. Um, so yeah, my, my two against the field here would be Gin and Lime and Earn River with uh, Earn River just about getting the uh, the vote, courtesy of the fact that I've already put him up and I can't really uh, um, desert him now at this uh, late hour. Both those two uh, are nine to two as it stands. Earn River pretty much across the board. Gin and Lime with a couple of firms, including Coral, who are, according to the odds checker grids, going a fifth of three places despite there being seven runners. Um, although it looks maybe at the time of recording like Jackamar might be coming out basically as we're speaking with a couple of firms yeah. going down there in which case uh, that three places won't be uh, in existence I wouldn't have thought when it's down to six runners uh, but as I say this is why you've got to use the app you've got to use the odds checker grids in order to inform your selections when you're choosing how you're going to play races like this uh, Rory that's two from Andy uh, how do you see this 
Yeah, uh, I'd agree with Andy. I don't like, I don't particularly like Pick Dory here. I thought he might be shorter actually than, than he is, but uh, I'm not a massive fan. He is top rated in this, um, and I think he'll get plenty of support. But as Andy says, Paul Nichols doesn't have a great record in this, and I don't think the the yards in particularly good form at the no. moment either. You know, he's chasing the trainer's title, and I think there are going to be a few horses running on the next week or two um, who Paul might and other and other circumstances not run. But you know, he's he's chasing prize money. Um, and you know the the trainer's title means a lot to him. Um, going head to head with Dan Skelton as well, but I, I'm not a fan of Pictor. He he did show uh, he impressed me more last time out. I thought he looked very very genuine uh, when beating Miller's Bank last time out. But I don't think that's great form either. Um, and he he didn't have an awful lot to beat uh, when winning an Ascot in December. The the others in that race just made mistakes, and he didn't have to do an awful lot to win that easily. And in between. Um, he was a, a very weak finisher at Sandtown. I know he was um, up against a horse he couldn't really beat that day, um, but um, I was disappointed with how he how he sort of packed things in uh, when push came to shove. So I'm not I'm not keen on him. Uh, I think Warlord is pretty solid, but he's also he's well found in the market at the top of it. I think he deserves to be favourite. Uh, I would struggle to back Gin on Lime just coming back from this break, given what happened to her last time out. You know, I know she won that race at Cheltenham, but it was, you know, she came to a complete standstill with that horrible mistake at the second last. And I'm, I'm not I'm not that keen to back horses um, with that kind of preparation. I'd, I'd agree with Andy again, though. Earn River um, has been impressive this season. I was impressed that he was able to win after quite a layoff on his reappearance. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't normally back Nick Kent horses off a off a break, but he was impressive mm. uh, when winning at Doncaster. And then he bolted up at Weatherby last time out. And although he hasn't beaten an awful lot, he's he's looked stylish and he's um he's done it nicely on the uh, on the clock. He could be um a massively underrated horse, to be honest. In a bigger yard, we'd be hearing a lot more about him. And I think it'll be an absolutely tremendous result for entry if the first um race of the meeting and the first grade one was won by Nick Kent, who hasn't come close to um uh to that kind of success before, but is a is a perfectly competent trainer. It'll be a really good story, and I'd quite like to see that. But it uh, wouldn't be my my biggest um my biggest betting uh, event of the uh, of the week, I have to say, uh, marginal marginally favoured Warlord, but um, I think Earn River might just be a little underrated still. Earn River uh, nine to two, Warlord at the top of the market at eleven to four, and negatives for Pick Door. He seemed to be the uh, the order of the day there from from both the experts. And, and as I say, with Jackamar, mm-hmm. I've just had a look. There's no confirmation about Jackamar being it being a non runner, so do check that before um, having yeah. a look. He's definitely out from 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 the information I have. Okay, definitely out. So that yeah. should be six uh, six to post in the first then uh, at entry on Thursday. On then to the juice and anniversary uh, juvenile hurdle um, over just extended two miles and Pied Piper is the eleven to ten favourite. Brazil nine to four. Uh, Petit Tonnier ten to one. Knight Salute sixteen to one. Fortinet twenty to one. Impulsive one thirty threes forty to one bar nine run here. So a decent uh, each way angle if you are looking to back one at a bigger price away from the top two. Uh, but Rory, do you think that the top two are the, uh, the right prices or can you find a, an angle with those? There, there's a potential angle with Fultonette right at the bottom for Venetia Williams. Um, she has won all three of her starts um, uh, over hurdles, um, having been trained by um, Guillaume McCare. Um, and she looked a really good prospect, but she, ta- she is coming back off an injury layoff, which is a slight concern. Um, hence why she didn't go for um, uh, for the triumph hurdle. Um, but you know her, her form looks good. It's worked out pretty well. Um, she's um, she's 
she's done done things very nicely, certainly, you know, just looking back at her first couple of starts. She was given an educational ride on her first start, but sort of jumped her way into contention uh, and did that nicely. And she's um, uh, the, her latest win at Vichy has has worked out pretty well. So she might just she's definitely uh, underrated by the market. The question is whether she's absolutely ready to go here or whether there's a case of, you know, she's ready for a run and this tells connections where they stand with her. Um, but she's a very interesting runner. She was there was a bit of 25 to one about um, her yesterday, which I thought was um, if I was a bookmaker, I wouldn't want to be laying odds that big on a, on a, mm. a completely unknown quantity, getting weight all round. Pied Piper is is clearly the solid one. His his form stacks up very well. His third in the um, in the triumph, uh, um, you know, one or two people might have been disappointed with that, but he's run right up to form uh, in doing that. Um, he's um, he's a galloper rather than a quickener, but I, I think Davy Russell won't mess around on him. He he looked to um, uh, to hit the front halfway up the straight rather than hold him up until the last. Um, he he wasn't um, he was a horse who was at his best on softish ground on the flat for John Gosden. Um, and he, he, you know, he was maybe a little disappointing when when uh, races turned tactical, um, but given a good gallop, um, he's looked he's looked a, a class act. So he deserves to be favourite. I'm not sure where I stand with Brazil. I I don't think the Fred Winter was a particularly strong race. I know mm. last year's Fred Winter winner went on and won a Grade One in his next start, and Brazil did look very good at Nice uh, before winning at Cheltenham. But for me, Mark Walsh gave him a brilliant ride to win that um, that Fred Winter. Um, he knew Gaelic Warrior was a danger. He also knew Gaelic Warrior was was um, jumping out to his right and causing problems potentially for him, getting caught in the backwash, other horses being interfered with. So Mark Walsh moved him up at an early stage onto the shoulder of the favourite just to, you know, to put pressure on him. And he was very well positioned the way that race went. And I think a few horses in that weren't particularly well positioned as it panned out. And I, I'm not sure it was an especially strong um, contest compared to um, one or two previous renewals so I'm not sure he deserves to be as short as as nine to four again in terms of um, of what he achieved on the clock at Cheltenham he didn't take a big step forward there uh, and I'm just a little bit dubious of the form for all he is clearly very talented Brazil uh, I would certainly prefer um, uh, Pied Piper off the off the pair of them but I, I'd be I'd be inclined to take a small chance I think on Fortinet each way given the, the shape of the race and the number of runners here um, if she is fit um, then the, the level of her form gives her a decent chance. And given that she was showing that form last May, she's had plenty of time to develop physically. Um, she could have progressed a fair bit from that if she's recovered fully from that injury. Fortinet is 20 to 1, best price at the moment. That is with Bet365. Uh, Andy? Yeah, I mean, unlike uh, one or two of the stats um, for the first day and later on in the week um, with regards to channel form, this is quite a Strong race for horses that have um, participated in, in the Triumph Hurdle. Um, been horses that have doubled up here and, and have finished down the field and come here and won. Obviously, there's a bit of a mix in there as well. Uh, Montreal winning last year and all yours a few years ago. So um, it all depends which side of the fence you sit on. I, I just have the, or oh, I'm from the b- belief that the Triumph Hurdle was by far and away um, the strongest bit of form going in, into, into the festival. Um, you know, away away from the the Fred Winter that I agree with Rory with regards to Fred Winter. It was one of the slowest run races of the entire week. It was a bit of a head scratcher, really. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why they went so slow, um, but it certainly paid to be handy. And and Brazil was always relatively well positioned against Gaelic Warren. He basically just out sprinted him up the hill. 
but it was just a bit of a messy race. I can't really make head mm. or tail of it, to be perfectly honest. So I'm not really sure, as I agree with uh, Rory, what the value of the form actually means with regards to genuine grade one form. Whereas Pied Piper's already proven himself in the white heat of a triumph hurdle, and it was a good triumph hurdle as well. We thought going into it that the spring juvenile form was the best form over in Ireland, and Vauban um, and um, Phil Dore represented that by finishing first and second. But Pied Piper's bang there. You know, he proved that um, his Cheltenham run prior to that was a very commendable one. And he's an honest galloper. He's not flash, but as you say, Rory said, he's, he just uh, sees his races out well. He travels really well, got a good cruising speed. And I think the more rain that does fall in the next 24 hours will certainly help his cause. It probably got a bit lively for him in the end, come the come the first day of the festival. Um, I think he probably could do with a little bit of ease in the ground. But all in all, I think the Irish are just by far and away the dominant uh, uh, force in this division. Um don't like any of the English um, chances, as we saw with Knight Salute. He was only ninth in the tribe, but he just looked very, looked mm. very small. When he went in the parade ring, looked how small he was compared to some of the horses in the in the ring that day. You could see why he struggled. Uh, Petit Tonnier, we don't know much about him, but he, he jumped appallingly uh, when he won at Market Race, and he beat Presenting Ned, for goodness sake. I mean, horse that beat Presenting Ned a length, I, I couldn't have him to win a grade one. So I think Rory's right with um, uh, Fortinet down the bottom. That could be the fly in the ointment. But it's interesting that the horse that finished third behind Fortinet, also called Mildam, uh, got, a, got a rating of 125, ran in the Fred Wint and got beat 25 lengths by Brazil. So is that a fair representation of Fortinet? I don't know. It could be a bit of a, re- a reductive way of looking at it. I, I, I certainly get that. But, um, yeah, the alarm bells are ringing me, for, for me with, with that French form as well. So, yeah, all in all, I think Pied Piper is a strong favourite. And if the uh, the triumph hurdle is worth, worth the pound of flesh that we think it is, he, he should win this easily. Pied Piper, 11 to 10, best price. That's with William Hill. Odds on uh, in plenty of places, even as short as 8 to 11 in a place, which might be suggestive of where that price is going to go between now and tomorrow at 2.20. Uh, on then to the Betway Bowl, uh, the chase just over the extended three miles and Protectorat is the 7-2 favourite ahead of Clan de Zobo at 15-4. to four. Conflated is 9-2. to two. Kemboy, 11-2. to two. El Dorado, Allen six to one, Royal Pagai fifteen to two, and then three horses at twenty-five to one bigger. Bristol to my twenty-fives, Nutswell thirty-threes, and Itchy Feet sixty-six to one. Nine runners here, Andy. Uh, one firm and Skybet going four places as it is at the moment, uh, and what looks like a pretty open renewal. Yeah, very much so. Um, but this is definitely a race I want to be looking at horses that have avoided the Gold Cup, particularly mm. those that had a very hard race. I mean, Protectorat was absolutely driven out as if his life depended on him to finish third. I mean, he literally crawled over the line. I'd be amazed if that horse is anywhere near the level that he was when he won here at Aintree uh, prior to going to the festival. And he's only had 20 days to recover. I think mm. that'll almost be one of Dan Skelton's greatest training achievements if he manages to get Protectorat to win. And let's not forget that he beat absolute corpses when he, when he won at Aintree early on in the season. Um so yeah, I couldn't have him on my mind at the prices. It's it, it's it's a race that if you if you look through its history, a lot of horses that you know like your Water Friends, your Silviano Cocontes, your Kemboys, your your Clan des Obos, they've missed the festival. And that those that have taken part in the festival and come here and failed, trainers have gone back and thought we're not doing that again. We'll we'll you know um, discretion will be the better part of valor, and we'll, we'll skip skip Cheltenham this time around and come straight here. And that's what they've done with Kemboy. Um, I mean, he was brilliant when he beat Clander Zobo here a few years back. I mean, it was a masterclass from Ruby Walsh in, in the play. I think that was Ruby's last ride, wasn't it, off, off, off top of my head? Or 
Um, he might have been very close to it, um, or certainly one, one of his. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. He went to Punchestown, then he retired. That was, his, he? But, that was his last ride, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was just a sensational ride, but he was really good that day. And I think that's Ken Boyd to a nutshell. I think he's very good around a track like this, sharp track, but you know, tracks like Cheltenham and even to a smaller degree, Leopardstown. I know he's won there, but I always think Leopardstown's a bit of a test for him. Um, and, and I think he'd be well suited to, to pop him around Adrian again. I'd imagine he'll get an uncontested lead again. I know Bristol Demay's in the race as well, but. I'd, I'd, I'd fancy Kenboy to have a little bit more boot than he would in the early part of the race. Uh, so it could well be that getting into a good rhythm from the front sees Kenboy come back to something like his best. And it's not as if he's been out of form either this season. He's been, you know, up against the Plutards and, the, and and all the good horses over in Ireland um, this season. Um, but yeah, I'll just avoid, you know, protector out and roll a guy, concentrate on those that have skipped Cheltenham. Kenboy's one of them. And he, along with Clanders about, um, are one of the only two course and distance winners in the field, so he'll do for me at the prices. I love the two, Ken Boy, uh, with a couple of firms, Coral, William Hill, Ball Sports, Betfred, and a few others. Uh, the selection for Andy. Uh, Rory, how are you seeing the, the Betway Bowl? I agree with a few points that um, uh, that Andy made there. I'm not as big a fan of Ken Boy uh, as he is. He's just um, he's too prone to mistakes these days for my liking. Andy's right, this, this kind of track suits him really well. Um, and a, a flat track test of speed around this kind of trip. That's where he wins his races. When he won the, um, uh, the um, it wasn't still the Lexus then, was it at Leopardstown a few years ago, where he's he's come from from sort of mid-div to lead with a circuit to go and then just just caught them on the hop with, a, um, with an early turn of speed and showed the, t- the tactical pace to turn that race on its head. Um, you know, that that's where he's at his best, but I just don't think he's quite as good as he was. He wasn't beaten fire at Christmas again, um, but his jumping let him down on the Irish Gold Cup, and he's been a frustrating horse to follow now for the last year or two. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit um, cold on him. Not as cold as I am on one or two others. Um, I, I don't really like Protectorat, as Andy says. Um, the fact that he had a long break before Cheltenham, you could argue he's fresher than most now, but I think coming off a break, running such a big race of the, in the Gold Cup, I think that's more likely to leave him vulnerable now than if he was, you know, if that was his his third run in um in a month or something like that. So I'm not not particularly keen on him. Royal Pagai, I can see turning the tables. Um, he made one significant mistake in the Gold Cup, which um which compromised his chance. Otherwise, I thought he ran pretty well. I could see him turning the tables, but again, Andy's point is a fair one. You don't really want to be backing horses on the basis of how they ran in the Gold Cup in this race. Um. Again, this this is a race full of slightly iffy jumpers these days. Itchy feet you couldn't back uh, with stolen money, given the way he jumps mm. fences. Um, conflated, I don't like. Um, he, listen, you can make a strong case for him on his last two runs. He won the Irish Gold Cup. The form has worked out pretty well. Um, and he jumped well that day. But he generally doesn't jump well. And he didn't jump well last time either, where he was ridden to pick up the pieces and finish second in the Ryanair. Um, yes, he was staying on. It looked like he, was, he had a... a Pretty strong chance of finishing second, but he didn't. Um, uh, he didn't jump the second last and came down, and that's that is conflated issue. At um, I thought he got away with three miles at Leopard's time because he was able to dictate, um, and the others didn't really have the tool that he had, so he was able to go a, a sort of stride slower than he normally would. Therefore, his jumping held up, um, and he got a tremendous ride from Davy Russell, who I thought sort of stole it round the turn. Uh, normally, he's been better at, at shorter trips. But in top class races over shorter trips, his his mistakes can come in. So, so I'm not I'm not at all sure he will stay this trip. Again, he's going to get a good ride from Davy Russell, 
who will try to sort of sneak him into the race, I think, later on. But his overall record is not convincing, and I don't really want him here. Um, on the other hand, El Dorado Allen was ridden to win the Ryanair, and I thought he ran a smashing race. He was beaten 15 lengths. He probably would have finished behind Conflated if that horse had stood up. But the difference between them that day was that Brendan Powell rode to win. He was the only jockey in that race, aside from um, aside from the winner, who who wanted to win from the start, wasn't <laughs> looking to pick up second or third, or hoping something you know that that, that Alaho uh, would make a mistake at some stage. Um, he he put the race to Alaho and he ran an absolute stormer, and he got tired later on, but he kept plugging away to the line. Now there's, I'm slightly concerned that he had a hard race there, but of course it was over a shorter trip, um, and he's had a you know. He's had the extra day to recover as well. Uh, he's been a revelation this season since stepped up and trip. He made all the running to beat Royal Pagai at Newbury in the Denman chase prior to that, uh, where he jumped really well. And th they rode him as if they had no concerns. Brenda Powell rode him as if there were no concerns about his stamina. Um, and he was a revelation. I thought he jumped really well. And I thought he stayed on really strongly at the end. So I can see him actually going out and trying to make all the running. Um, and I think he will jump well and he will ask questions of the others. Um, as I said, slight question mark about um, about a hard race at Cheltenham, but I think he he's a kind of horse who's been growing in confidence this season, and the more racing he's had, the better he's got. So I think he will take his racing better than one or two of these, and I think he's a solid each way um, bet on this race. Eldorado Allen, a solid each, each way bet there for Rory at six to one. Uh, that's with uh, most firms up on the odds checker grids. Uh, on then now to the. Next race on the card, the fourth race at 3.30, and it is the entry hurdle, the Betway entry hurdle, the uh, over two and a half miles. And Zanahir and Epiton are the joint favourites at two to one, brewing up a storm 11 to two, 10 to one, uh, more morale, glory and fortune 12 to one, McFabulous 16 to one, and God, your dreams is 33 to one. Seven runners here, Andy. Uh, how do you see the, the arguably the big one on, uh, on um, Thursday panning out? Yeah, and that's the one. This I don't know what Rory thinks, but we've got the old archetypal seven runner race, which is not great for mm. each way backers. Um, it, particularly if you you're of the a viewpoint that the front two take quite a big chunk out of the market, and you want to be on something from a thieving each way perspective. Um, I'm not really sure where we stand on Epiton and Zana here. It was both of both of them is a cracking run to chase home honeysuckle in the championnat. We know that, but. This will be the first time that both of them have run beyond two miles. So we just don't know. I think you, you're completely and utterly guessing. Um, intuitively, you think, you know, well, both should stay if they settle and they give themselves every chance. They've obviously got the qualities. But until they actually go and do it, do we really want to take seven or four each or two to, to find out? Um, the answer would probably be no. Um, brewing up a storm is an interesting runner. I think he's got quite a bit of quality about him. Um, sometimes he's jumping is a little bit iffy. I think he's chucked a couple of races away by just taking his eye off the ball late on. Um, but he's been safe specifically for this. And he, he's obviously proven over the course and distance as well, which I think is an intriguing um, um, aside. Um, he's also got cheap pieces on as well. I think that's just probably just a getting concentrating over his hurdles because, as I said, he can go a little bit AWOL in that department. So I think he's an interesting runner, along with Glory and Fortune. I thought he ran really well in the champion hurdle for an outsider. Um, but he's not to be underestimated here. You know, he hasn't got too much to follow with Zanny and Epiton. He was definitely closing them down up the running. I think the triple definitely suit. Um, yeah, like I say, it's one of those races where you look at it, the, the weights and measures of this lot, and you think, well, there's not a great deal between top to bottom. So I think if you look outside the box and are prepared to um, be a little bit more uh, imaginative with your selection process, you could come up with 
something other than the obvious two down the bottom. So I'd mm-hmm. probably play both of these two against the field here. Um, I put that Bruin up a storm in my, that H-way Yankee the other day, and I still think he's got a chance of at least bodging into the frame for that project. But at the prices, I think 10 to 1 in and around that mark for glory and fortune. He strikes me as being one that could be just a little bit underestimated too. Dorian Fortune, 12 to 1. 12 to 1, pretty much across the board there for you, Andy, the way you're playing this. Win only uh, with the two places, Andy, or are you still back back him each way? Um, Well, I mean, you could could fiddle around and and bet him on the three-place markets. You know, there'll be loads of exotic bets. Some some firms will probably give you four places, um, just specifically if you just play that market on its own in isolation. Um, So, yeah, I'd I'd probably have, you know, like half a point win at 12 to 1 and half a point place. Uh, or half a point top three finish, let's say somewhere around six to four, something like that, mm. just to cover cover your your stake um, if he does finish in the first three. Glorian Fortune, the one for Andy. Positive words though as well for Bruin Upper Storm, who is eleven to two. Rory. Yeah, partial agreement again here. I'm I'm I don't want to be with the front two at the prices they are. Epitons hasn't looked like she wants any further than two miles. She's got the class for this, obviously. Um, but the fact that you see out two miles well doesn't mean you're, you're going to be well suited by two and a half. And it's not always just a case of whether you stay or not. It's just a case of whether you're suited by the nature of these races. Uh, and I'm not sure that Epitont will be. Uh, Zana here, uh, plenty of good judges have said he wants further than two miles. And no doubt he will in time. But the issue with him wanting further is not that he's, he finishes strongly in his races. He just looks slow. And looking slow is not really a massive positive when you're back in a, or was it 15 to 8 or 2 to 1? So, um, yes, he's been he's been keeping very good company and he has the best form in the race, Santa here. But I'm not absolutely convinced that he's going to take a big step forward for the step up to two and a half uh, in and of itself. He's, you know, if he wins, he'll win because this is a you know weaker race than he's been running in against against the best. But again, whether you can back Gordon Elliott's horse is blind at this meeting. His, his form from Cheltenham onwards, you know, this was... Gordon was going to launch a massive attack at Cheltenham. He was very confident about, you know, the strongest team he'd ever sent to the meeting. And yes, he had a couple of winners, but, you know, his um, his handicap winner would have been number 50 on his list of likely winners he would have mm. at Cheltenham. And and the other success, obviously, was was in the, uh, the cross country. He had a lot of horses who were strongly fancy who ran badly at Cheltenham and a lot of horses who have, who have been expected to win since who haven't won. He's something like two from his last 75, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that is not um, the kind of record you want to have with a top trainer coming into a meeting like this. Clearly, he's going to bounce back sooner rather than later. But do you want to be back in shorties from a yard who who aren't getting the results they would, you would expect at this stage? Um, I would say no. Uh, and again, I think that the way in here is is back in a couple of outsiders. There's nothing in this race you can back with any confidence, in my opinion. But what you do is you basically say, right, the, the, there's going to be value on one of these outsiders. And I would be inclined to back a couple here um, in the two in the two place market just to get better odds. Um, Guard Your Dreams is the lowest rated horse in this race. But I've, I've been convinced all year that he wants a, a strong pace at two and a half miles. Um, he was only um, uh, he was only third in the um, in the National Spirit Hurdle at Fontwell last time out. But Jordan Naylor, who ruled him that day. Uh, normally a claim, well, he is a claimer, but he couldn't claim because that was a, a grade two contest. He also made the tactical error when he was between horses coming to the last, um, an unsta- understandable tactical error. He decided to pull wide because he wasn't sure he was going to get a run. If you pull wide onto the run in at, at Fontwell, you're pointing the horse towards the, ex- the stable exit. And mm-hmm. lots of horses at Fontwell, when they see the exit there, they jink towards it. And that's what he did. He ended up going wider and wider 
and lost his chance by doing so. Now, he's beaten seven lengths, but he would have been right on the heels of the leaders if that happens, happens. Uh, and his form this season is solid. Now, he won the international hurdle over two miles, but there's no doubt in my mind that he's, he will be a better horse at two and a half. He just needs a good gallop to aim at. Um, that's that's the, the best way to, um, uh, to get a result out of him. And the interesting thing about him in this race is that Nigel Tristan-Davis could have run him in the Coral Cup off a perfectly reasonable handicap mark, but actually kept him back for this instead. So I can see him running above himself. He'll be 28 to 1, 33 to 1 um, in places, uh, no doubt. And the other one that you're taking a little bit of a risk on, but who will be suited if, if there isn't much rain. And um, speaking to someone in Liverpool at the moment, they said there's been no rain today. And whatever rain they were forecast, they think they might get a little bit of that tomorrow, but there might not be that much. So um, you've got to keep an eye on, on the forecast and see what's happened mm. in terms of rainfall. Because McFabulous would want good ground. Um, he was disappointing in the Cleve Hurdle when last seen over three miles at Cheltenham. But that was a day when all Paul Nichols' horses ran really badly and the market did not want to know McFabulous at all. And he ran poorly. Before that, he'd finished a very good second in the uh, Rel Keel. He would have been behind Bruno up a storm. He fell at the last that day. But again, conditions were against him. He was It was his first run since um, this meeting last year. Uh, and it was in softer ground than ideal for him. And he's not a Cheltenham horse. He's a horse who wants a flat track and good ground. So although he's been underwhelming in two runs this season, I could see him bouncing back. And the fact that he's the nickel second string in the race, I think means you get a good price about him. Uh, Mon Morale was a winner at this meeting last year. People expect him to bounce back. As a result, you'll probably get 20s on the day about Mike Fabulous. And while you couldn't be at all confident about him, he does have the class to bounce back. And if there hasn't been much rain, he would become a player as well. Two to take on the top two there from Rory as well. McFabulous, 16 to 1. Uh, best price at the moment, Guard Your Dreams, 33 to 1 best price for Labrooks, who at the moment seems to be playing, uh, paying three places, which could be uh, one to get Roy on the phone to, to his um, pals at Labrooks pretty quickly, you'd have thought, <laughs> given he's happy to take the two places. Um, so there, yeah, basically taking on the top two in the market. Um, positive words for Bryn Up a Storm, Glory and Fortune, McFabulous and Guard Your Dreams. I'll leave it to you, the listener and viewer, to choose who's made the best case uh, between Andy and Rory there. On to the 405, which is the Randox Fox Hunters, uh, you know, it's the, the Hunter Chase, effectively. I know these aren't necessarily races that you guys specialise in, um, but we've got Jet, who's the 130 favourite, Cat Tiger 11 or 2, uh, with Late Night Pass, Paul Way 7 to 1, uh, Mighty Stowaway and Cousin Pascal, both 10 to 1, uh, Maracuja 16s, Pont Avon 16s, uh, 22 to 1, Bar. Andy, by no means a, a Hunter Chase expert, can you find anything though for us in uh, in this one? Yeah, a lot depends how big or small a snob you are when it comes to um, um, working out or deciding whether this race is, is for you or not. Um, personally speaking, I absolutely adore this race from a betting meeting because by and large, um, it doesn't take a great deal of working out. I mean, yes, there's been one or two shocks, but tell me a race there where there hasn't been shocks in, particularly over the national fences. We got a shock last year with Cousin Pascal winning, but by and large, it tends to go for the horses in the top three or four in the betting. So you're looking at class. And particularly if you've got a horse that has been specifically saved for this meeting, Miss Cheltenham, and has also had a run over the um, Aintree fences as well. The one that absolutely jumps off the page and smashes you in between the eyes with a wet fish is Late Night Pass, uh, who was a very gallant second in this race last year in the hands of Gina Andrews. Got beat by the rallying of re-rallying cousin Pascal. Who would have thought he would have come back and um, got back up again? But 
his jumping was absolutely unbelievable in this race late night pass. Even when he was unsighted, I watched all of his round last year. He was just spectacular. Um, st- stood off when he needed to stood off, got back on his hocks, was very clever when he was in tight. The only blemish on his record on the way round, and it partly wasn't to do with him, he got forced out wide on the canal turn. There was a horse that was messing him around and he couldn't quite get into tight to where that he needed to be. And he ended up going a little bit wider, not as wide as the one who ended up almost going on into the cheap seats. And it just cost him two or three lengths. And in the end, that losing that momentum and margin he, he, he ended up forfeiting cost him the race, from, in my opinion. But uh, look, he's proven around the track. Um, he's, he's well. He should have won his three points of points. He fell when he was well clear in, in one of them, uh, which is uncharacteristic. It's any time he's fallen in his life, uh, and he's been he's been given a wind up as well. So um, yeah, he just ticks every single box I look for in in, in a bet in, a th- in this race. And I do like having a bet in this race. The only other one I thought about here was Paulock Bay, who similarly to my main selection has also missed Cheltenham, but he was um, obviously he beat Bill away, didn't he? Um, mm. To win, to win the Fox Hunters. You can't say Fox Hunters now. It's the Hunter Chase, isn't it? Um, it's well, I think, it's, it's both, it's both, uh, I think this, the official this one is still name, the Fox Hunter, yeah. D- the official yeah, name yeah. of this race is the Fox Hunters. It is the official name. Yeah, yeah, I still think it's both. It's Chel- Cheltenham who's dropped the name. Yeah, the old uh, woke monkeys that won't, won't um, be um, too, too happy about that. Anyway, you've, um, you've, you've gone after snobs and the woke here, Andy. I, mean, it's, <laughs> I, know, yeah. I, think, I think we're going to have to get you on TV news, aren't we? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, let's let's get back on on track here with uh, with Paul at Bay. Um, the ground would have been too soft for him last time at Bangor. He wants genuine good ground by, by and large. Um, but yeah, he's very fresh and obviously he's got a touch of class. So he's another one, definitely to come into the mix. But yeah, that that late night pass. Yeah, he's he's probably. Oh, that sounds daft. He's probably one of my strongest bets of the, the day one. Ooh, exciting late at night prices. pass. Yeah, eleven to two. Uh, that is with Bet three six five who are paying six places and Coral who are playing who are paying five at the moment. But that could all change, of course, between now and tomorrow morning. Porlock Bay seven to one with a few firms. Uh, the second selection for Andy, Rory. Any of you here? Um, I I backed late night passing this last year, so I was uh, not enormously pleased with the result and slightly surprised um, that he hmm. managed to to lose from a winning position. Um, I like the connections. Um, I think um, Tom Ellis is very good at what he's doing. Uh, Gina Andrews um, is a, a fine point-to-point rider, and Late Night Pass is a, is a um, an ideal horse for this. Uh, I know he's won over he's won over three and a quarter at Cheltenham uh, in the past, but I've not had him down as an especially strong finisher um, in his races. Essentially, you know, he's he's um, he wins it out in the country um, with his jumping. It's interesting. He's had wind surgery. Uh, since last seen under rules obviously he's won a point to point since then so he's not had wind surgery since that just since his last run under rules uh worth worth bearing that in mind and yeah he's he's a he's a pretty obvious one i know that will but wasn't happy with porlock bay after he was beaten at banger uh clearly you can use the grind as an excuse there but you know he'd um uh he decided shortly after that that he that he wouldn't make cheltenham um because he wasn't happy with the horse um and he'd been trying to get him right for this since then uh, I'd imagine Will's a pretty good judge that he would get him right for it. But I have to say, I, I struggle to get away from Jet. Um, I, you know, Sam Willicorn, has, for me, has given him two poor rides in the last year. He gave him a poor ride in the National last year where he basically, I think he thought he was in the Fox Hunter because he's, he's ridden him as if it's a two-mile-five race. There mm. was no way he could have kept up the gallop that he went. But he jumped like a buck. He really enjoyed himself, and he just got tired from the, from the third-last fence. Um, to finish eighth, 
uh, having gone the speed that he did was a very good performance. He looked as, you know, I wouldn't say as good as ever, but he looks um, like he hadn't lost much ability when he was a close third at Doncaster in a handicap on his return. I saw a mark of 145. Not many of these would be rated that highly if you give them a, a handicap mark. Um, he, he won a weak race on his next start. And then Sam Whaley Cohen, I thought, tried to bully David Maxwell um, at Fontwell last time. And David Maxwell just give him, give him back more than he was expecting. <laughs> um, and uh, Jet wasn't seeing the best effect there. Yeah, David Maxwell got the inside, wouldn't be bullied out of it uh, and did it nicely. That, that was not Sam's finest, finest hour in my view. Uh, he will be happy uh, on goodish ground here as well. Uh, if it doesn't rain, I think if, if it doesn't rain, they will water the national course anyway. So it'll be good to soft all round. Um, but yeah, if he does what he did last year over this trip, one, it, it's enormously important over the national fences to be in the front rank, to be able to go um, uh, to go a pace without having to come off the bridle and to be able to jump at that kind of speed as well. You avoid all the carnage in behind. Uh, it's not, you know, you'd imagine that given the given the, the the length of the course and the stamina that you need for uh, for races over the national fences, that you could come from behind. Horses just don't. You've mm. got to you've got to be handy. Um, the way that um, that Jet and indeed some um, late night pass will be ridden here will be a big advantage. And Sam Willie Cohen, he you know, I've criticised him for a couple of his rides, but his record in this race um, is exceptional. His record over this course and distance, he's also won the um, the Topham in his time. It's very very good indeed. And the mistakes that he's made on this horse twice in the last year, I think he won't be repeating them. And I know he's I know he's favourite for this. I think he might drift a little bit. Because I think most of the shrewd players want to be with proper point-to-point -point horses. And I think a few of those will shorten up. You might end up getting seven to two about Jet. And I think that'll be a very fair price. 130 best price at the moment. That is with Coral, uh, best price for Jet for Rory there. Uh, two more races to cover on this Thursday preview. We have the uh, Close Brothers Red Rum handicap chase, just under two miles. Uh, and before midnight is the 13 to two joint favourite with Frero Bamboo. Uh, Global Citizen fifteen to two, Cheltenham Hero. Uh, Gunsight Ridge is nine to one alongside King Donjon. Uh, Dolos is eleven to one. Bold enough, a sea of blue on odds checker fourteen to one with Time White, sixteen to one Sky Pirate with Gaelic Coast, uh, and the last day eighteen to one Bar. Rory, I'll come to you first for this uh, for the handicap chase. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a huge amount of. Um... Of pace on in the in the red drum and again the temptation is to look for something to come off the pace um and win this and uh, horses do hit the frame sort of sneaking through late on and, and picking up um uh, those are flagging at the finish but often um the key is which of the front runners um can jump most fluently um and then the, the speed tends to hold up often with multiple front runners you're getting horses who've dominated small fields and um, two or three of those who want to go forward will immediately, by not being able to get to the front or by going that stride faster than they normally would do, start making mistakes. And you still end up with horses who go forward dominating. Um, so I'm not, the temptation, as I said, is to look for hold up horses. Um, but I'm not sure that's the, um, that's the way to go. Um, uh, on that subject, Ferrero Bamboo ran really well in this race last year, and I can see him running well again. But again, he tends to um, to sit a fair way off the pace, uh, as he did at Cheltenham, um, and he ran an absolute, uh, he ran a tremendous race in the Grand Annual, uh, given where he was positioned, and he's liable to run well again. But I, I'm worried about if he's going to be um, in in rear of mid division again. 
I think that will that will um, compromise his chance of winning. And I've actually got a fancy for a horse that, that normally I've been against. I've been against Gunsight Ridge all season, but I just think this race will suit him down to the ground. He's a, he's a good jumper. Uh, a horse who travels really strongly in his races. And my criticism of him has been that he's got to the front looking sure to win and he's kind of idled and let other horses come back at him at the finish. So he's traded, um, you know, in races he's lost um, since this time last year. He's traded seven to one on, uh, six to four, nine to two on, and even money uh, in decent races. Just because he looms up there looking sure to win. Um, and then he, he's a bit too polite. He's very much <laughs> after you, Claude, from the last. But given how strongly he travels and how well he jumps, I just think he's, he's going to be on the bridle for longest in this race. From the last fence, you're going to be questioned about whether he will knuckle down and put the race to bed. But you'll be betting, um, you know, uh, extra places in this race. Um, and your biggest problem with backing horses each way is that they, you know, they run well and they fade out of it later on or they get caught out of the ground and they're beaten early. You want a horse that's going to, that's going to race prominently, it's going to travel strongly, it's going to jump well. Um, and then, you know, you, you hope they get the job done at the end. I think Gunsight Ridge will will um, will catch the eye as he usually does with how he travels here. He doesn't need to lead. He led last time at Sandown. Ideally, he wants to sit just behind the pace. And this race gives him the opportunity just to, I think, to sit behind the pace all the way through. And Aidan Coleman needs to produce him after the last and try to put his head in front on the line. Um, I think that's how he needs to be ridden. And I think this is one of the few races where horses will drag him into the race all the way through to the closing stages. And that gives him a chance of putting up a career best. As I said, whether you trust him to actually win the race from the last is another matter. But at around nine or 10 to one with extra places available, I think it looks really solid each way. Nine to one best price at the moment, Sky. But the only firm going six places as it stands, but that will surely change between now and tomorrow morning. This is about midday we're recording, so there should be extra places opening up this afternoon and into the morning as well. Uh, one there for Rory. Uh, Andy, how do you see the, the red rum? Yeah, I'm not sure what um, the record is of me and Rory when we duplicate horses, um, <laughs> whether it's good or bad, if punters should um, size Sure, it is excellent. The double penalty with um, Gunsight Ridge. But, yeah, I, I've been back in Gunsight Ridge in, in the last two or three days, um, sort of soon as soon as the betting sort of came out for this. He was the one that straight away jumped off the page um, at me. I, I've tipped him, I think, at least twice or maybe three times this season. I tipped him first time out at Ancient. I was a little bit disappointed with him. But I just think he was a bit rusty. Um, it was his first race ever fences. He got to cut him some slack. Um and he just looked as though he just needed that run badly more, more, more than anything else. So I tipped him next time out at Exeter. And like Rory's alluded to, he travelled like the best horse in the race. He looked the winner two out. And then uh, none other than Lom Press um, outstayed him. Now, we didn't realise at the time how good Lom Press was, but we do know now how good he is. He's probably the best three-miler in the country. So he was hardly likely to be outstaying mm. a horse like that. But you look back who was third, Longshanks, who's won his next two starts. The time figure for that race is extraordinarily good. Um, like I say, he went through that race like the best horse in the race. He's actually only £7 higher. So if you await some measure, man, you look what Long Press is rated now. I think he's in the 160s, isn't he? You think Gunsar Red's like an absolute handicap certainty here. He then went to Sandan, and for the first time, I was really impressed with him. Funny enough, that was the day when I didn't tip him when he won. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, I thought he, he found loads for pressure that day. It was bottomless ground. I wasn't sure whether he was going to be suited to so heavy ground, but he really slugged it out and he got the better of Bondurum. And then he was given a kamikaze ride by Aidan Coleman. Aidan Coleman got hooked up in the speed duel all the way through that race, unnecessarily with Bondurum. The two of them went hell for leather down the, the railway fences, taking each other on. They basically softened each other up. Bondurum fell out the back of the telly. Gunside Ridge, to, be, in, to his eternal credit, kept on and finished third. He didn't get beat too far, but he got beat by Dolos, who I think has farmed that race in the last three or four years. Uh, Freya Bamboo has, has obviously advertised the form. So, again, there was nothing wrong with that performance. He's been freshened up. He's run around the track before. This has clearly been a target from, from day one, the fact that he's run at Aintree on his first run over fences. He gets in here off 134. There'll be loads of pace on, as Roy's alluded to. He doesn't have to lead today. Coleman can just sit third, fourth handy. He'll have the tactical speed to go with them. And he's a novice as well. Novices have won 11 of the last 19 races of this race, similar to the Grand Annual because, and lots of other chase races because they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're so well in. Um, and I think this is easily the best handicapped horse in the race. So if he avoids incident on the way around, sort of nine to one, five, six places, just, just there, there for the take in that price. Load up, Gunsight Ridge, nine to one, uh, both for both Andy and for Rory there in the Red Realm handicap, um, pretty much nine, nine to one across the board. But as we've said, keep an eye out for the extra places if available. On to the last uh, and from the Red Realm handicap to Rosie Red Rum, who is the nine to two favourite for the Mayor's Bumper here, uh, ahead of Katira at 11 to two. Ashro Diamond, six to one. Um, Naughty Ness is also six to one. Lady Excalibur, 10 to one. Uh, 11 to one bar those, uh, Andy, 20-runner Mayor's Bumper. You're the man to solve this, aren't you? Yeah, and, and the nap of the day runs in this. Um, um, and <laughs> this could go 6-4 to four if um, if the sort of coincidence, once a year punters get involved with this, that if the Red Rum chased the race before, we've got Rosie Red Rum here. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, 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 it'll look blindingly obvious to the, to the, uh, to the girls that will just turn up once a year and think, oh, yeah, I, I know Red Rum, I'll, I'll back and, this one. And the bloke's Andy, come on. Let's, oh, well, yeah. G- Let's not get back to GB News again. Absolutely not. Yeah, got to be, uh, got to get politically correct. But no, I mean, just, just, um, just on a point of ability, um, I think this this mare's a, a pretty good mare. Um, she was very impressive the day she won. She was very well backed. Milton knew he got a good one. Um, beat a horse called Twin Power, um, who, who was obviously very highly regarded, um, and beat it very easily. They then took this mare to or Philly to. What was probably the, at the time the best UK bumper? Um, it's that listed race that's run on Betfair Hurdle Day. That, that, that was mm. the, I think it was the last race of the, on the card, but it was chock full of well fancied horses. I put it one in that race called uh, Philanderer, who had won very well at uh, Warwick the time before. Authorised Speed, who'd uh, beaten a good field the time before, was a uh, very well, well back favourite from the Gary Moore camp. Um, there was loads of other winners in there from high profile stables. And she more than held her own against the, the the boys. But she was just given too much to do in what ended up being an evenly run race. It wasn't a crawl, but they didn't go overly quick. Um, but she was she must have been 20 lengths behind turning for home. The, way, the, the, the fact that she managed to get within a length of the winner, passing all those good uh, geldings in the latter stages, just shows how good she is. Um, and she's built like a, a real, you know, powerful tank, as it were. The mm. fact that she's actually receiving weight here, uh, right down the bottom, is a bit of a gimme. I noticed the hood's gone on as well, because she can obviously be a little bit keen in, in early part of her races. 
But with a big field here, it'll give Mitchell Bastian license just to basically drop away once because they'll go a much more stronger gallop. But nothing will be stronger than this uh, filly in the latter stages. And Milton Harris just continues to have winner after winner after winner. And he's doing really well with his bumper horses as well. He definitely knows what he's got. I think he's got a very good one here. I actually think this, this filly will be a good horse on the flat if they decided to go down that route. Uh, she could be contested, listed in group races. She's that good. So she's one of the horses I included in that Yankee the other day. Unfortunately, the prices uh, that I put up the other day are no longer available. But I think she'll go up somewhere around the three to one mark come, come tomorrow. So even the five to one at time recording, nine to two time recording, I think that'll be under serious pressure. There we have it, nine to two. It already looks under serious pressure. A lot of blue uh, up there for Rosie Redrum. The nap of the day from Andy. Uh, Rory, how do you compete with that? Uh, I don't compete with that. I agree. <laughs> I agree with Andy. Um, I um, I like Rosie Redrum a lot on her debut. I I went to the paddock to to see her before that Newbury race, um, and um, I liked what I saw. Um, I thought she should have won the race. Uh, Mitch Bastian gave her gave her uh, too much to do. He was a little bit too confident. And also when he came with his run, he came on the wide outside and the winner was right up the inside of the track. And I'm not sure Rosie Redrum even saw that horse. Uh, she still traded short and running a loop from the from um, watching from the stands that she was going to get there uh, with a furlong to run. But unfortunately, that was more the angle um, that uh, that made it look like she was going to come past. Um, but she, I think she would have won that if she was produced a little bit earlier. And my only concern here would be whether, whether Mitch Bastian, who's quite a... Um, uh, he is the kind of jockey who who likes to sort of sweep through from the back of the field and look um, look stylish. There's a possibility he overdoes it again, but I think hopefully he's learned his mistake from uh, from the last run. Um, he is a very capable jockey. Obviously, he can't claim here, but um, uh, yeah, she was. I, I went to as I said, I went to the to the, um, the winners' enclosure afterwards just to see how she'd taken that race because it often gives you an idea seeing a horse before and after a race, and she was full of herself. She just looked, you know, she looked that like she was ready to go out and do it again um, five minutes after she'd run, um, more so than the horse who beat her. Um, and I, I wanted to keep her on side there. I backed her for the um, for the champion bumper at Cheltenham um, at, uh, at Big Odds. She was taken out in the day because of the rain. Um, she doesn't want soft ground particularly. Obviously, she won on debut on soft. Um, but um, Milton Harris has, has made no secret of the fact that he thinks she would win listed races on the flat if he went there with her. Um, she gets the she gets the alliance um, <laughs> here, and I think uh, she's got a big chance. The, the only downside is, you know, he's been Milton's been saying she's coming here for quite a while, and her price was ten and twelve to one two days ago. Um, so you know, if you, you had your chance to back her uh, back her then, so uh, waiting until the last minute to to, to back her at, at less than half of those odds um, is um, you know is, is the only downside. But yeah, I, I like her a lot. I think she is uh, potentially very good. And the way this this race tends to pan out and the nature of the straight at entry uh, means it tends to suit horses coming from from off the gallop. Um, you don't tend to have hard luck stories as such. And I think there's more chance of horses going for home too early here uh, than, than um, would normally be the case. So I think she should have things set up to suit her. Uh, and Mitch, I, I guess he'll come wide of the field again and try to avoid traffic. Um, um, Again, the only uh, one marginal concern is, is whether she needs the hood. Um, you know, she has she's been a little bit keen, but she's essentially just a really strong traveller in her races to date. I'm just a wee bit um, neutral about about whether the hood will actually help her. I don't want her switching off too much. You mm -hmm. know, if they get her, if if he parks her at the back of the field and and puts her to sleep, um, you know, then 
the question is whether she'll wake up quickly enough. But in terms of her ability, I've got no concerns. I think she's very, very good. I think she's a lovely prospect because she's not your typical four-year-old either. She's not just um, very precocious, uh, a racy little flat filly who gets the weight. She will progress. She's got size and scope and strength about her and she will keep getting better. So I, I like her a lot. Didn't think you two could be more bullish, really, after the Red Rum handicap. Then you got to met Rosie Red Rum in the last. And, uh, you know, Rory, as you say, they're a bit bigger a couple of days ago. But if uh, Rosie Red Rum does go off um, the kind of short price that Andy thinks that she might, then that 92 could still look big uh, come race time tomorrow. Um, so the guys both agreeing there on their selection in the last. That brings our, our Thursday preview to a close. Uh, previewing all the races here. We'll be previewing Friday and Saturday as well. So do look out on the Odds Checker YouTube page and on the podcast platform as well, on the podcast feed where you can get those previews there too, as well as plenty of other preview content too, such as the Masters uh, preview that I hinted at earlier, which we recorded yesterday and lots of other stuff coming up soon as well. So do download the Odds Checker app as well so you can get the best uh, prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms and plenty of other bits as well, including Andy's tips straight to the app every morning of racing too. Fingers crossed for a couple of winners and there are certainly some good cases made by the guys. But as is always the case, please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly. 